0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 18. And I want to pull a passage out of the one-year Bible reading. Have you guys still been tracking along with the one-year? Yes. <laughs> Y'all reading your Bibles? <laughs> I mean, got a little nervous there for a second. I know we had 21 days of prayer and fasting and we were all dialed in. Please, please continue to press into God's Word. Uh, we've got a free Sunday, this Sunday. It's not tied to a series, but what I like to do on open weekends like this is teach you out of the things that you've been reading. This was our, our reading from a couple of days ago, and, uh, and I think it's, it's a very necessary word. It's going to be a timely word, and probably one of the most practical words you're going to hear from this pulpit this year. Um, I, I want to talk to you about handling conflict handling conflict. In fact, the title of the message today is simply this. I'm about to give you a piece of my mind. (laughs) Mm, You you, you saw what I did there, peace. You you see, the devil wants you to live in pieces. Come on, somebody. But the Holy Ghost wants to give you peace. I want to talk to you out of one particular passage in Matthew chapter 18. Have you ever been at odds with someone you love? Oh, I see halos and angel wings up in this house. You ever had a fight over something and afterwards you realized it was totally insignificant? Maybe you got in a confrontation and it got escalated and you forgot why you were actually fighting about. Oh, anybody getting a fight on their way to church today? (laughs) Some of you, this is going to help you right where you live. How many of you know someone that needs to hear this message right now? Don't be pointing at anybody up in here. You know, our world, uh, and it doesn't take a a rocket scientist to understand this, common sense will tell you, if you can connect the dots of what's happening in the earth today, our world is so divided. Uh, There's so much chaos and strife. Everything is inflamed. It's inflammatory, hurt feelings and disappointment, and we we live in an age of rage. Uh, There are 8 billion people on the planet Eight billion, that's a lot of toothpaste, come on somebody, eight billion people. And out of eight billion people, there's so many different views on politics, so many different views on social justice, different views on religion and current events. Let me ask you this, how do you love people that you disagree with? I think that's a great question. Uh, today, I want to talk to you and I'm going to encourage you, but I'm also going to challenge you because I'm not sure how well the church, now I'm not saying specifically HPC, but I'm not, su- I'm not sure how well the body of Christ is doing with how to handle conflict. How do you find common ground? Uh, What about love and respect and empathy? Some of these things are noticeably absent. If the Lord Jesus were to give a report card to the church today on how we handle conflict, what do you think our grade would be? Oh, it's getting quiet in here. How many thinks we might need some tutoring Uh, Seek some extra credit to help improve our GPA a little bit. Uh, I want you to take some notes. And we know that history makers are note takers. Jot some things down because I want to give you a template, a checklist of how to handle conflict. The Bible is very clear. People aren't normal, but conflict certainly is. Can I say that again? People are not normal. How many of you know we all have our own brand of strange? I do. My kids remind me of that. Guess what? I don't care. (laughs) People aren't normal, but conflict certainly is. To be alive means to be in conflict. You experience conflict in every arena in life. Friendships, come on, how many know they fall apart? You're going to have to learn how to navigate confrontation and conflict in a friendship. What about marriage? Yes, indeed. Married couples need to learn. All couples fight, but good couples fight fair. Uh, You have conflict on your job with coworkers, with a supervisor. You have conflict on your school campus with a a student, a classmate, a friend. Even in church, there's conflict. I read recently where a husband and wife were, were having a fight, and the wife called her mother, and she said, Mom, he fought with me again, so I'm coming to live with you. Her mama says, no, darling, he must pay for his mistake. I'm coming to live with you. (laughs) How many of you know there are in-laws and there are outlaws and there's everybody in between? Come on. Conflict, trouble. What about the guy who who was rescued from a desert island? He was living in isolation on this abandoned island for 15 years. And when rescuers actually discovered him, he gave them a tour of his island. 15 years by himself, and he had built several buildings. So this one-man town, he was showing off the facilities. He said, "This this, this building is my house. This is where I live. This building is the store where I would shop. This building is the cabana where I would rest and relax. This building over here is the church where I I would worship. They said, well, what's the building next to it? He said, well, that's the church I used to attend. (laughs) How many of you know that conflict is in every environment, even in the church? Conflict is not going away. Listen, we can't eliminate conflict, but we can learn how to resolve it. Can I have a better amen? So I'm going to give you something that's, that's simple, it's practical, but I think it's going to help us. Because sometimes we read this book and it's almost like some fairy tale fantasy where everybody gets along. How many of you know that on the pages of this book, there are a lot of trouble, a lot of issues, a lot of relationship breakdowns, even men of God. Couldn't always get along. Now, I think about Paul and Barnabas in in the book of Acts. These two men were missionary pastors, and they had such a heated argument over what to do with John Mark that they separated ways. Paul said, well, Barnabas, you take John Mark. I'm taking Silas. Come on, how many know that even godly men have breakdowns in relationships? Uh, In Acts chapter 6, you read about the discrepancy between the the Greek-speaking widows and the Hebrew-speaking widows. They felt like one group discriminated against another, so they had to call a meeting of church leaders. You ever heard of a couple named Ananias and Sapphira? (laughs) Yeah, God had to send down fire from heaven. There was trouble. You see, listen, the church has never been a place where trouble didn't exist. But the church should be a gathering where people are committed to manage and navigate conflict well. Are you with me? You see, the structure of this entire message is going to center out of Matthew chapter 18. And I want to read one verse. You read it a couple of days ago in your one-year Bible reading. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. And I want to read it because it says some things explicitly, but it also gives us some things implicitly that can help us solve Every conflict or relationship breakdown we'll walk through. Read with me in Matthew 18, verse 15. Jesus said this. He says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. Now, let me read it to you again because we're going to break this down into six different steps okay some of them are implied some of them are very specific but read with me again if another believer sins against you go privately point out the offense if the other person listens and confesses it you've won that person back you see dealing with conflict always involves a series of choices And I want to give you a step-by-step roadmap of choices that you're going to need to make in order to bring some healing and some restoration. And the first is this. Number one, if there is a conflict, Jesus says, acknowledge the problem. If there is, if another believer sins against you, if there is a conflict, you need to acknowledge it. Okay, it sounds simple, but sometimes this is the easiest thing for us to neglect. Because the truth is, I'll be honest, I'll make a confession to you. I hate conflict. Am I alone or anybody else here? You just get splotchiness up your neck when you have to have a hard conversation. Anybody get nauseous when you know that, man, things are out of sorts? I want to avoid conflict at all costs. I just, I'm the kind of guy, I guess my my natural bent, when I first got into ministry years ago, 24, almost 25 years ago, when I first stepped into ministry, I wanted to be the pastor that loved everybody and the pastor that everybody loved. (laughs) Some of you think a poor, pitiful, naive pastor. Uh, How many of you know that I can make a decision on half of that equation? I can be the pastor that loves everybody, but I can't control if everybody loves the pastor. You can decide you're going to be a person that loves people, but you can't control whether or not they love you. And it didn't take me long in ministry to realize not everybody out there loves Pastor Mike. I couldn't believe what Lord, I love you. My heart is to please you. I want to serve people, encourage people, make them feel good about themselves. How many know life breaks down? Life gets messy. People get disappointed. There are wires that get crossed. There's miscommunication. Rachel and I were dating. When we were dating, man, there was, we just, we agreed about everything. Man, just everything was just roses and sunshine. Man, isn't this great? You know, how many know that when you date, you think that you're going to ride off into the sunset of eternal marital bliss? I blame Disney for this. Yeah, someday my prince will come. Well, listen, her prince charming came right into her life. Oh, baby, you're the answer to all my prayers. We got married. She started saying a different set of prayers. Come on. (laughs) We say dating brings out the best of you and marriage brings out the rest of you. Even in the most covenant of relationships, breakdowns happen. We got married. We went on our honeymoon to the Bahamas. We were rolling to the Bahamas. We got settled in. This is our honeymoon. Day one. She got a revelation. (laughs) Over a game of Monopoly. Monopoly. That girl got mad at me. Look, hey, I had hotels on Boardwalk and Park Place, and and I owned all the railroads. (laughs) That Monopoly money was flying. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Now, maybe I was doing a little trash talking. I didn't help the matter. But listen, pay attention to the tension. If there is a problem, you've got to acknowledge it. You have to pay attention. There's tension in a relationship. Don't ignore it. The easiest thing to do is just pretend it doesn't exist. I don't want to get messy. I don't want to create any more issues. I'm just going to kind of go my way. And we leave something unresolved. And God's saying, if it's unaddressed, it's unresolved. And if it's unresolved, it's unfruitful. And if it's unfruitful, God says, I'm not pleased with it. Come on now. You know, I jumped in a car several years ago with a friend of mine. And I noticed when I got in the front seat, I looked on his dashboard and he had a piece of black tape on the dashboard. I'm like, a little square black piece of tape. And I'm like, hey, dude, what's the deal with the tape on the dashboard? He's like, ah, oh, my check engine light has been on for months. And I just, I just got tired of looking at it. It just irritated me. So I put a piece of black <laughs> tape. Oh, He said, it's no big deal. I'm like, it's a big deal to me. Come on, somebody. I don't want to be stuck like Chuck because you're refusing to acknowledge a problem. Come on, talk to me. You see, some of you need to quit putting black tape on the check engine light of your heart, pretending that it doesn't exist. It won't go away if you ignore it. Come on. You see, God has wired all of us with a relational check engine light. We got to pay attention to the attention. The truth is nothing improves with neglect. Marriages don't improve with neglect. Friendships can't flourish with neglect. Your kids will never grow and be all who they're supposed to be in God with neglect. And so the Bible, says Jesus is saying, hey, if there's a problem, if a brother has sinned against you, acknowledge it, recognize it. The check engine light is to give you a warning so you don't break down. You see, conflict is everywhere. It's even in the church. And I want to pastor us through this because sometimes people ignore conflict and so they jump ships to a different church. I'm going to leave the church because he said this or she did that. Problems with a small group leader. Here's a pastor on staff. They never called me back. And so they're hurt. They're wounded. They're offended. And they go to another church and they never acknowledge the breakdown. You see, the truth is that life is about entering and leaving. It's all about seasons. It's not wrong to change churches, but how you leave one season will determine how you enter the next season. And if you have unresolved, if you've got offense or bitterness in your heart because you've not addressed it and you're jumping from one church to the next, you've brought that brokenness and that baggage into your next season. Am I helping anybody here? If there is a conflict, pay attention. Acknowledge that there's a problem. Number two, Jesus says go. Somebody say go. Go. You take initiative. If there is a problem, you've got to take initiative. You say, well, pastor, they messed up. They should come to me. They're the ones with the problem. It's not on me. Or, you know what? I apologized first the last time. It's their turn now. Y'all aren't liking this, are you? (laughs) Why do I always have to take the first step? Uh, Jesus said, if you've done something wrong, you need to initiate. If they've done something wrong, you still need to initiate. Why? Because the cross is our pattern for healing. Guess what? There was a breakdown between us and God. Guess where the problem was? It wasn't God, it was us. How many of you know our sin, our wrong choices, our selfishness created the breakdown? Well, okay, well, what did God do about the breakdown? He sent Jesus. Jesus wasn't at fault, but yet God sent Jesus. God took initiative. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't his fault, but he took the first step. And so when it comes to healing, when it comes to addressing conflict, doesn't matter, well, it's not my problem. I don't have an issue. Well, if there is a breakdown and you know about it, Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 5. He says, if you're at the altar and you're bringing your gift to the Lord and you remember that somebody has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and you go back to that person and you be reconciled to them. Notice what it, it didn't say. It didn't say when you remember you have something against somebody, you realize, wait a second, somebody's got something against me, You see, God wants to give us direction and help when it comes to healing in our relationships. Uh, you know, in a marriage, think about this. In a marriage, if your spouse is 95% of the problem, let's just say this, in, in, between Rachel and, and me, and we know how this works. When there's a problem in our relationship, we know who the source is. 95% of the time, it's me, Okay. It, her knowing that I'm 95% of the problem, she still got 5%. So guess what? She can grow 5% even though I'm 95% of the problem. Is that making sense? So, look, there's still some responsibility that we have in a relationship. I'm reminded of the story of a, of a farmer who had an old mule. This old, exhausted mule he had for years wasn't worth much of anything. Well, the mule fell into the bottom of an abandoned well. There's this mule uh, down at the bottom of a well that's not even in, in, it's not been in use for decades. And the, the farmer hears and he sees and he assesses the situation. He decides that neither the well nor the mule is worth saving. So he enlists the help of his neighbors. And they all come with their shovels. And they're, they're scooping up dirt. They're just going to put this mule out of his misery. And so they're shoveling dirt and they're throwing it down the bottom of this well. When the mule first gets hit with dirt, he panics. He's thinking, I'm going to die but then a thought hit him every time dirt would hit his back he would shake it off and he would step up dirt after dirt scoop after scoop shake it off step up shake it off step up pretty soon what was meant to bury him actually blessed him because he walked right over the edge of that well he took a step And what I'm saying is this, in a relationship, some of you feel like they're throwing dirt on you. You need to shake that stuff off and you need to take a step. You need to shake it off and step up. Come on, somebody say, shake it off. Say, step up, shake it off and step up. Jesus is saying, acknowledge that there's a conflict, then you take initiative. Number three, you go to the person. In other words, no third parties. When you involve somebody else who's not been a part of the breakdown, you are stepping out of bounds and you are on dangerous ground. You know, I'm still looking for the scripture in the Bible that says when your brother offends you, blast them on social media. <laughs> Can I, can, I, can I talk about this just for a little bit? You see, is totally out of bounds scripturally. We wonder why the church has become so inept. It's because we've not followed the prescription that the Lord has given us. We've adopted the ways of the world. We feel like we have a platform and a license to air out everybody's laundry and if I got an issue with somebody I want the world to know well listen if you don't have the courage to confront them personally then don't be a coward and troll them online God won't bless it you know it's amazing to me and and and, you know we got to remember that the world is watching the church why would we adopt the world's ways if we expect different results? Right, let me put it this way. Why would the world ever come to the church if when they get here, they're only going to find more of themselves? Don't bring in third parties. It, it, you know, if there's a breakdown, if you've got a problem with somebody, okay? Let's say, okay, Ken, man, you and I, you're my buddy, all right? We work out together. I don't look as good as you. But one day, man, I said, you know, Ken's got my glorified body here on earth. One day in heaven, I'm going to look like him. But let's just say, man, you and I, we got beef, okay? I think that's what students call it. uh, Millennials call it beef. We got beef with one another, all right? You said something, hurt my feelings. And so, let's say I I run over to Blake. I say, Blake, can you believe that Ken said this about me? You know know what you're going to do, Blake? You'll be like, I can't believe Ken would talk to the pastor like that. He said, what? Yeah, Ken said this about me. What am I doing now? I've involved a third party. Blake's not been a part of the conversation. But now I've taken my offense and I've planted it in Blake. And now Blake sees me as the oppressed and Ken is the oppressor. And so now Blake is upset with Ken and Blake ain't got nothing to do with this. Are you with me? And the more I talk to Blake about it, the more I rehearse it, The more I nurse it, the bigger it grows. Do you see how dangerous it is to step out of bounds? Now, now let me give you a disclaimer, because sometimes it takes outside counsel. I'm not saying you can't get help. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a small group leader. uh, Get counseling. But if they're guided by the Holy Spirit, the counseling they give you will include, hey, you're going to need to get with Ken, and you're going to need to talk to him about this. Does that make sense? Uh, because what's happening is the, 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 the offense and the bitterness that's growing in my heart, now, I, when I talk to other people about it, I plant that seed inside of them. Jesus said, hey, acknowledge the problem. Take initiative, but don't include a third-party Because it's dangerous. Are you talking about someone more than you're praying for them? Okay, you don't like that one either. Point number four. (laughs) I know after this message, I'm going to have a line waiting for me as I get off stage. Well, pastor, you said go to the person. I got something with you. (laughs) Please, please don't send me any nasty emails, all right? I'm trying to help us. Number four, Jesus says go to the person in private in private in other words use sensitivity you need to approach the person the same way you would want to be approached or or let me say it this way when you go address that individual for hurting you go in the right spirit if you don't have the right spirit then you don't go at all come on somebody You know, I remember Pastor Larry Stockstill is one of my overseers. He was talking to me about how to handle confrontation and difficult conversations. And he said, Mike, I found that your posture, your physical posture has an influence on your spirit. I said, well, what do you mean? He says, you know, I've, I've learned that when I have a difficult confrontational dialogue with somebody, I sit there with my palms up. He says, I, I'll, I, if I'm sitting across the table from them, I'll just slide my hands under the table. I'll rest them on, the, on, the, the, on my legs like this. But sitting here in this posture keeps my heart soft. How many of you know this is different than this? And different than this? Too many times we're going to set somebody straight. All right, pastor said I needed to go to the person. Let's get it on. And he says, you know, you just slide your hands under the table and it keeps your heart open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And you don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to prove that you're right. Man, it'll give you a dip. So you know what? I tried that. (laughs) I really did. If you see me at a restaurant sitting with my hands like this under the table, just pray for that table because you know it is going down. I tried it, I had, and I had many hard conversations last year. A lot of people upset over a lot of different things, everything from politics to pandemics and all the mistakes that I make as a pastor. And so, man, I did my best, and I sat there in one conversation, and I just kind of, whoo, and I felt it started getting intense. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord, and here we go. <laughs> Try that just for a second. Put the, put, put the back of your head on your hands on your, the top of your legs right there. Sit with your palms up. How does that feel? <sighs> Yes, yeah, some of you need to try that more often. When things escalate in your house or you disagree with your spouse, you, hey, if you see your husband do like this, just know that the Holy Ghost is trying to work on him. <laughs> Keep your heart open. You know, the, the truth is this. The truth is this. I look back at the Mike Haman of like 30 years ago when I was 16 I don't even agree with that version of myself. Come on now, how many of you agree with the you of 10 years ago? (laughs) Nope. You know why? Because you're changing, you're growing, your perspective is enlarging. So if you wouldn't always get along with you, why don't you put some grace on that person who thinks a little differently than you do? Come on, put your hands together if you receive that. Go with the right spirit. You see, your flesh says to win the argument, but the spirit of God says, no, 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 no. Win the relationship. Let me give you two other things, okay? Number one, acknowledge the problem. Number two, take initiative. Number three, no third parties. Number four, go in the right spirit. Use sensitivity. Finally, number five, discuss the problem. This is all about direct communication. Discuss the problem without attacking the person. Okay, can I say that again? Discuss the problem without attacking the person. There's what I call the last 10%. Okay, in a difficult conversation, you need to go the last 10%. After going through all the hard work of setting up a difficult conversation, sometimes we shrink back from saying the hardest, most important truth. We fail to go the last 10%. Sometimes we get vague. We get fuzzy when clarity is needed most. You know what I'm saying? You do all the work and then without saying, hey, listen, when you said that, it hurt me, and here's why. Oh, sometimes we don't go the last 10%. And I know some of you here this morning, you're saying, okay, Pastor. You said I could go the last 10%. I'm fixing to blast them, rat-a-tat, tat tat them. They've had it coming for a long time. Here we go. That's not what I'm talking about here. Remember, we said use sensitivity. Remember, remember, palms up, palms up. My heart is soft. Now let me just share. Hey, here's, here's where it hurt. Here's where I'm confused. Help me understand. That's a great phrase. Some of you need to write that phrase down. Help me understand. There's humility in that phrase. Because if you're going in trying to set them straight, then you're not listening to what God may be wanting to say to you through them. Oh, man. Isn't any of a marriage conference and you're already getting healing in your marriage? Hey, if you're fighting, never Call each other names. If you're fighting, never raise your voice. If you're fighting, don't get historical. Pulling up the past. I mean, you may be hysterical, but don't get historical. If you're fighting, don't use words like always and never. Listen, never threaten divorce. Don't use divorce as a threat. And never quote your pastor during a fight. Leave me out of this. Come on now, this is between you, your spouse, and the Holy Ghost. What well, Pastor Mike said. Oh, uh, 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 hi. And let me give you this last this last point. I, I hope this has been practical and helpful. We got to get this right, church. We have to do better at handling conflict. The church is losing its power because we're hurting our witness. Politics has divided the church, and it breaks my heart. Social justice is dividing the church. We serve a God who is just. Are you kidding me? Why would we let politics, justice, current events destroy? Listen, the world is clueless. The world has their own narrative, but God has given us a different set of instructions. If we could get this right, they would be breaking down the doors to come to us. Oh, I got to figure this thing out. Y'all mean y'all disagree and you still love each other? Y'all mean y'all have different points of views and you still treat each other with respect? Yes, because Matthew 18:15 gives us the roadmap of how to do that. The last thing, here's what you do. Last thing. Acknowledge the problem. Take initiative. No third parties. Use sensitivity. Speak directly. Direct communication. But finally, number six, for the purpose of reconciliation. For the purpose of reconciliation. This is to bring restoration to a relationship. Doesn't mean you have to be best friends. But, man, it's for the purpose. Listen, how can we reconcile men to God? if we can't be reconciled to one another. They're not gonna to listen to our message of the gospel if we can't even get along, come on. It's for restoration. And if you're not going for the purpose of restoration, then just don't go until you get your heart right. You know, several years ago I was driving down Airline Highway and I don't know if like when you drive, do you ever just fog out? How I many just kind of get in a zone? Whether it's a song that you're listening to or talk radio or you're thinking about what you got to, it's like you don't even pay attention. You know, I was on autopilot and just out of routine, I was going my normal path. And then I realized, wait a second, I got to take a, I got to take a turn here. And so I made an adjustment rather quickly and I didn't use a blinker and I didn't check my blind spots. And yes, I pulled right out in front of somebody. How many get irritated when people don't see you and they just, they pull out in front of you? <laughs> that, that could be me, all right? <laughs> Next time you, you, you get all angry and, you know, red in the face, just remember that, that could be your pastor. Man, I'm sorry, I was fogging. And so I, I didn't realize it until after the fact, man, he laid on his horn. I mean, you talk about rage, and the light turned red, and so I'm in the right lane, and he pulls right up next to me. I felt the splotchy coming, oh Jesus. Let me look at my cell phone over here. Look at that bird out that window. I'm feeling heat coming from this direction. I gotta tie my shoe right now. Oh Lord, when's this light gonna turn green? I knew I was in the wrong, and he was telling me how wrong I was. I glanced up just to make sure it wasn't one of y'all, okay? And it wasn't, I didn't recognize him, but man, he was laying into me and he was using words that I'm not allowed to say, calling me names. And then he, he asked a question that I thought was really profound. I mean, I really did. I couldn't think of anything good to say in the moment, but about two o'clock in the morning, I thought, "Ooh, I wish I could rat-a-tat-tat back to him. But he asked me this question, and he said, what is your problem? And I thought, you know, what is my problem have you ever asked yourself that sometimes i look in the mirror and i'm like man god help me what is my problem you know what? he didn't stick around to really discuss it but according to matthew 18 this scripture this process he did a lot of things right okay did he acknowledge our problem with clarity and passion yes he did He took initiative. He didn't wait, he didn't drag his feet. He didn't complain about me to other drivers, spreading gossip on the streets. He spoke directly to me and nobody else. And yes, I knew exactly what he was saying. He went the last 10%, come on somebody. But you know what he failed to do? Number six, it wasn't for the purpose of restoration. And I thought, okay, well, wait a second. If we're not committed to number six, then you better check yourself before you wreck yourself on numbers one through five. This is about bringing healing. And oh my, if there's ever a time when the body of Christ needs to be empowered with the help of the Holy Ghost in days of conflict, it is right now. Can I have a good amen? You receive that today. Can you put your hands together if you receive that? Thank you for listening.